It's the lowdown. Saturday night, every time we're on the air. That's how much excitement there is. So much build on Sports 1440. Hanging out until 2 o'clock today. And Jason Greger, lowdown driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, but same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. WolfGMCBuick.com. Say hi to our friend Doug over there. And we want to say hi to our friend Mary as well. We are now joined by our friend Murata Tesh from the Athletic Winnipeg. Is there an election in, uh, in, in Manitoba today? Uh, today, not to my knowledge, but okay. we've got signs built in for something in October, I think. Okay. All right. Well, I'm just reading about results and could be lying to you. There's a possibility. Well, my head is in the sand right now. I got to say, you know, Jets camp starting this week and, you know, there, there could be a storm outside my window. I have no idea, you know. I saw that you were tweeting about the roster that's been released. Any surprises for the Jets roster? No, I think the big surprise for a lot of people heading into the summer would be that Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley are still here, still projected to play big roles. They're going to both be free agents or they're scheduled to be free agents at the end of this season. And so there was some thought and some effort, I think, to explore futures beyond them but Winnipeg's here to try to win this year they're not uh, they're not necessarily favorites they're not in that group of cup favorites but they're here to try to compete try to make the playoffs um, they added depth with the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade bringing three players back and there's not a lot of room for that PTO like Sam Gagne was last year in Winnipeg right. or, or that sort of player so it's all uh, all the surprises are oh that Manitoba Moose is going to take part in Jets camp that sort of small Thing. Winnipeg, as everybody knows, is the home of the uh, Red River Floodway, once known as Duff's Ditch, and it saved millions and millions of people and lives and property. And I'm not saying Shovel Dayoff's training of Dubois for what he got is is like Duff's Ditch in that five to ten years from now, everybody will consider it brilliant. However, I like the haul they got, Murat. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, and I love the Winnipeg history, too. As I recall, that was extremely unpopular until it saved all of the lives like you're talking about. So um, I, I think that my hot take on the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade uh, was that it was positive for Winnipeg. And you can't say that they absolutely crushed Los Angeles in the deal. I mean, Dubois is a very good center. And if he can bring more than those 50 games of excellence that he does every year, you know, that's, that's something really impressive. But in Gabriel Velarde, uh, who just had a breakout season, his shooting, his release, his ability to read the ice from basically the top of the circles in, um, his vision in terms of what lanes he chooses, where he places his shots, how he sees his teammates, really quite impressive. To get Alex Iafalo, who's defensively just you know quite excellent and probably exactly what Winnipeg needs to add to its forward group. And then Rasmus Kupari as perhaps, uh, you know, probably Winnipeg's fourth-line center to start the season he's got a roster spot I would imagine that's pretty good for a team that I think a lot of people assumed was painted a little bit too much into a corner rumors of Dubois wanting Montreal or bust you know he opened things up and and, and Winnipeg did well with that the Jets are are exactly the team I would expect them to be. Shevel Dayoff is a, a patient general manager. Obviously, ownership uh, doesn't like to make you know wild headlines. They want to do things in a very specific way, uh, incrementally, making sure that you've got the due diligence done. And I see that the the Dubois trade, kind of an extension of the Line A trade, and that you're you're giving up an asset and you are going to maybe give up the better player. But the thing about Velarde is, and I think that that you know. 
it's my feeling anyway, and I'm not saying he's going to be the better player coming out of that deal. But holy hell, that's a really good player to get for Dubois. And then the other stuff is just icing on the cake. Yeah, I think a lot of folks were sizing up what Winnipeg could get for Dubois and assuming that, okay, well, you know, if it's Montreal, they don't really have, you know, anyone great and young is a player they're going to want to keep. So what could possibly come back? Um, you know, I rate the. I rate Dubois as the best player in the trade, and there's no way around that. But Villardi, you know, the more that I watch of his video, the more that I sort of talk to folks, there's a little bit of injury concern. That's a few years old now in terms of back issues and things like that. If you watch what he does on the ice, I think he's an excellent fit, even as a bigger guy, for uh, for the modern NHL because there's so little room out there these days, a guy that can play with his head up at all times where he's watching exactly how that defense is going to break down or shape up in front of him. He knows what handedness everybody is on the ice. If somebody drops his stick, he's going to exploit that. Um, he knows what position the goalie is in. There's just a tremendous amount of touch from, like I say, the top of the circles in and a really great hockey sense offensively that I think he's going to do well to step into Winnipeg's top six this year and kind of continue that 20-goal scoring growth that he showed in L.A. last year. Murata Tesh, our guest from the Athletic Winnipeg on Sports 1440 in the Lowdown with Low Tide. I, 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 I swear to you, I thought, uh, you know, I thought Hellebuck was going to New Jersey. Uh, for me, it makes too much sense. The Devils are a really good team. And I'm wondering how much, in your opinion, was Winnipeg just not wanting to move on from a guy who can, you know, win a playoff round all by his lonesome and maybe not New Jersey not offering enough. Yeah, I think that's that's the double-edged sword that that explains why we're in the situation that we are now with Hellebuck still in Winnipeg. I mean, New Jersey, if you had to write up a team that could use Hellebuck more, I don't think you could find one. They stepped into their own as a team last year, big step forward, uh, great regular season results. And if you could add one thing to that team to make it, you know, an absolute Stanley Cup threat, it would be an elite goalie. Uh, Connor Hellebuck would be a big upgrade over Akira Schmid or Vitek Vanacek. The problem, I think, is with Hellebuck probably staring down, you know, a large raise, um, you know, with his next contract, with goalies maybe, maybe today compared to 10 years ago, an elite goalie might not be fetching as much in terms of trade return based on the amount of tandems we're seeing in the league. Um, I don't think... You know, any floating around of Hellebuck trade-wise that Winnipeg did resulted in an overwhelmingly positive offer for them. So then if you're the Jets and you're trying to win, as they showed by getting, you know, sort of win now, win in the next few years players for Dubois instead of pure futures, what do you do? And I think there's a lot of effort right now to try to get something short-term done with Hellebuck, to keep him here, to keep Shifley, if at all possible, or at least if he's going to return players Winnipeg's focusing on now, and, and if they don't get a good deal for, for Hellebuck, I think they're going to hold on and uh, stare that trade deadline down or stare a possibly even an extension down with him in the short term. Murat, I don't know why, but the Winnipeg Jets always draft prospects I find intriguing. So I did watch some of the Young Stars games that they played, and I like Barlow, I like Chibrikov, I like, uh, obviously, Lucius. There's some really nice players there. Anybody from that roster that you expect to to come to main camp and have a, a major impact, uh, say Lambert or whatever, or maybe even make the team? 
Yeah, with Winnipeg's depth right now, if you you can go about 11 NHL regulars deep up front and forward where Winnipeg has its top prospects before you're getting to, hey, is that going to be Rasmus Kupari or David Gustafson or, or what have you? There's a lot standing in the way of the top prospects to, to claim a spot. That said... Um, you know, in Winnipeg last year, we had Brad Lambert stand out in a big way in terms of the preseason action against AHL-level competition. He was showing his speed, his offensive instincts. I think, based on young stars, if we're going to look at that, Nikita Chibrikov, his goal today um, against Calgary, just an incredible amount of, of vision, and his release was incredible. Um, there's a little bit of a breakdown in coverage in Calgary's zone. He ends up with the puck at the bottom of the circle. And then you can just watch the goal scorer's instinct take over. He knows his release is absolutely amazing. It's the strength of his game. But he's inching into the middle of the ice with every touch of the puck as he picks it up. And there's just there's just a really high-level instinct there. So I think in Winnipeg, where Colby Barlow is a recent first-rounder, he's going to get a lot of attention for sure. Lambert with his speed and his dynamism, absolutely. Chaz Lucius were looking to see impressive things from but Nikita Chibrikov I might add to that list of forwards who could be um, stars in the AHL and maybe call-ups if the right circumstances arrive. A couple here to end one is the Mike Babcock situation and I know you had tweeted out a little bit uh, in regard to uh, Pascal Vincent who is now the, the head coach in Columbus thoughts on Babcock and then maybe on Vincent. Yeah, I mean, Columbus is under a tremendous amount of scrutiny. I think that by hiring Babcock and the way that he went out of the league, they were asking for a tremendous amount of scrutiny. And then to find out that it went the way that it did, you know, I'm not on the inside of that investigation, but I know, you know, Aaron Portsline, who we both know um, at, at The Athletic, has done some tremendous writing on it. And I think that it sort of just makes sense that they that they need to go in a new direction at this stage um so in pascal vincent you know he was manitoba's ahl coach for a long time he'd been winnipeg's assistant coach for for short stints as well and i think that talking to folks in winnipeg even in you know over the years they believed in this guy to grow up and hit an nhl head coaching job they were sad to see him go certainly um when he did but at that time they seemed to think paul maurice was going to be sticking around for longer even after maurice moved on there was a sense that winnipeg wanted a veteran coach pascal vincent you know he's great with young players he's a great communicator very philosophical thinker too just a guy that is interesting to listen to speak about the game of hockey and i know that columbus is a team in transition has a lot to work on but in terms of the sort of person who you would want at the helm of that transition you know i've heard nothing but positive things about vincent from the folks here in winnipeg who knew him best my spider senses are tingling over over Marty Marty Walsh because you know in my lifetime the the NHLPA has has you know I mean Alan Eagleson was an uh, executive director and and you know represented the players but really represented the owners and Walsh's role and the PA's role in this it, it I feel like there might be a sea change am I am I reading too much into that or do you kind of get the same inkling? Well. You know, I don't, I don't know that I have, you know, the, the long-term context, but if I'm just to read my own instincts over the last little while, it does seem like the NHLPA is standing up for itself, or at least we're getting the impact of their news a little bit more intensely. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could think three, four, five years ago that the NHLPA was advocating for itself as well as it seems to be right now. And that's just my, my gut saying it. I don't have the study to back that up. 
Okay, last one. How's your mom? <laughs> oh man, um, I love that question. She's great. She she was in town for a little while a couple weeks ago and made her sports media live debut. And so you know that I get her impressions at the Athletic every once in a while, maybe for Mother's Day or what have you. She's a popular presence on Twitter because she just tells it like it is in accented English. And to see her on Winnipeg Sports Talk with Hustler, you know, I was just glad that that Sports Talk was on board. She had fun. She felt proud and uh we were at the grocery store we were at a at a grocery store later that day and a woman walked up to her and said are you nezzy were you on sports talk <laughs> like, and it just made her day so I, i'm Love just it. so happy that that sort of thing could happen so so uh, like on on the on the sports media or or uh i guess celebrity list of of winnipeggers in winnipeg are is your mom ahead of you or slightly behind how does that work <laughs> you know, I, I think she's probably more popular, you know, in, in a lot of ways. She's got hot takes. She, you know, tells it like it is from a fan's perspective, and she backs down from no one, despite being all of five foot one or something to that effect. <laughs> and I think the Winnipeggers appreciate that sort of ferocity. Love it. Murata Tesh, we're going to have you on lots this year. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. That's Murata Tesh from the Athletic Winnipeg. Great guy. And if you don't follow him on Twitter, please do. He's wildly entertaining, as is his mom. And uh, he he has a he has really interesting takes, but they're very thoughtful, and his articles are brilliant. He's a smart, smart guy. All right, it's one fifteen. We oh, I should mention this. I didn't mention it enough last week, so I'm going to mention it more this week. Sports 1440 is proud to sponsor uh, with Sports Central the inaugural bike drive this September and we're more than halfway through. The goal is 1,000 new or gently used bikes this month. The 25 volunteers in Sports Central Bike Shop have time to restore and repair them by springtime. Other than they're, they're drinking coffee back there and having a great time and that's good but you know, a little bit of work would help. Uh, Sports Central donates 350 to 500 bikes every month to deserving kids ages 4 to 17, along with a helmet for safety, giving them a sense of freedom and independence. So the 23rd and the 30th are the last two Saturdays to do this. Uh, you can make a monetary donation online at the cost of one bike, which is 175 Go to Sports1440 for the link. Or you can drop by this Saturday and next Saturday, United Sport and Cycle, Revolution Cycle, Bonnie Dune Shopping Center, Londonderry Mall, um, I don't have the numbers from this weekend, but on the ninth weekend, 151 bikes were collected. So we were off to a good start. Need more coming in. And we thank you in advance for your participation. Jason Greger on the way. This is the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Sports 1440. Lowdown with Low Tide. We're driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. WolfGMCBuick.com. Joining us now, Jason Greger, who's uh, now are you is your show set in stone or are you still working on the baking the cake right now? Well, Connor's usually the chef. Okay. Right. So I, uh, I I think he's got our our lineup, but it's a really good question. I'll, I should uh, I should well I do know that uh, Annie Petrillo will be on at four okay. o'clock. Of course, we'll wrap up the uh, she was hosting the uh, the inaugural uh, professional women's hockey league draft today. Oh. Uh, Terry Ryan is our uh, Monday co-host. Um, we'll uh, obviously be talking about the orders, and uh, we're going to Vancouver today for our uh, around the NHL preview of teams. So the Canucks they got a new captain. 
They uh, their starting goaltender is probably going to play more than thirty two games. I would hope you bet for them this yeah. year, and uh, that should make a a big difference. Also, I know you mentioned uh, Wolf. I'm pretty sure Doug at Wolf is a good guy. A pretty big Dallas Cowboys fan. Oh dear, got to double check that. Yeah. But Cowboy fans right now would be uh, you know that's two pretty big wins for them. They've got a guy playing defense that is uh, he could be the difference in that division. I love the Eagles, but that that guy is just all over the field and yeah. has done a hell of a job. Um, so let's start with the Elks. Trey Ford doesn't play the first half, you know, apparently doesn't practice well or whatever, but he's got to be the second half MVP here, Jason. I would love to get an honest answer as to why it took as long as it did for Trey Ford to get a starting job when you see how he's playing. Now, is it as simple? I'm sure that the easy cop out would be, well, the previous OC. That's who he wanted, right? No. It's easy for the head coach because, you know, McAdoo's not here now. And uh, Cornelius was there last year. So, you know, you can go with that. Um, I understood it because Cornelius played majority of the games last year and did okay. Not great, but okay. But how the season was going. But to me, Cornelius was a match with the mindset and the play calling of the OC, which was very much not what Trey Ford is at all, right? Like, they're a little bit more aggressive in their play calling now. Yeah. Now, also their running attack. Like, it's amazing to me, Al, that, and I get that Trey Ford, you know, his scrambling ability, defenses have to respect. But I don't know if I've ever seen the scrambling ability lead to the running attack absolutely killing it, right? Like, Brown and the run game of the Elks right now is being amazing. Yeah. Like, they're running for 150 yards for fun. And he's he makes people miss in the open field, which is you know very dangerous because he's not a small guy. Like it's it, it's a hell of a combination. I I I don't I know they're not going to make the playoffs, but beating Calgary is you know possible, right? Yeah, catching Calgary like Hamilton. Obviously, the crossover there, Hamilton to to defeat Winnipeg, that was huge. Edmonton would have needed that because in order to finish ahead of Hamilton, you have to have more points than them. You can't just finish in a tie. So it seems unlikely now. They could, uh, they are four and one now yep. in their last five. So, and they probably would have to do that again, right? I think they only have four games left. So they got to go at least three and one. I think it is, um, to, to have any sort of chance and probably four and oh, if you're going to catch Saskatchewan. Yeah. And, but I mean, what a hell of a story after the start to this year. Yeah. At least they have something around. like, like Elks fans can at least look and be like, okay, I can take the garbage. I can take the brown paper bag off my head now. I don't have to be that embarrassed <laughs> about my team. And, you know, they'll go there thinking, okay, there's some, you know, there's some possibilities that this team, like their, their secondary is quite young and it's getting better. So that's good. There shouldn't, there shouldn't be as many massive changes next season, but it's still fair to question why the head coach basically threw the season out the door by holding on that long to not get rid of the OC and to not change his quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Oilers, I counted up 55 names that I could just find logical reasons for the three PTOs, some AHL contracts and some guys who will be sent out. Thoughts on, on any, like, no surprises. I know Fanti's banged up a little bit, so we expect... I think it's going to be 55 or 56 okay. um, officially announced. But Fanti, you know, he'll be on the roster, but I don't think he's skating from, right. from my understanding. So, you know, you look at it of young players, like the owners just don't have a lot of options as far as openings. And that's okay. That, that means you're a good team. Like the owners are a good team. So that's what happens. Gone are the days of the orders breaking camp. Oh, look, we got five rookies in the lineup. Hee hee. No. Like, which basically means, wow, we're going to suck. Like no offense to rookies, but that's just the truth. Like Edmonton. Lavoie could be a rookie, mm-hmm. and that's it. 
There's no other rookie I see potentially making the team, right? Like Dylan Holloway's young, Philip Broberg's young, but they're not rookies. Right. So that that's really kind of the youth that I see on this team. You know, Borgo, you know, maybe has a really good camp and opens some eyes and, and lasts longer than, than maybe you expect, like down to the wire. That would be great. But I don't expect it. What I'm more interested to see, Al, is... So I, I did a, I did wrote on Friday. I was crunching the numbers for the orders. When you look at all the players they have in the minors signed, right, right, guys who we assume are going to be there, Borgo, Tulio, you know, Petrov, you know, Gruby, those type of guys. Mm-hmm. Then you look at they've got Gagne and Sutter and Kijula and Lavoie and Ern and Peterson. I'm like, I just, I think there's only room to sign one guy to a PTO. Maybe two, but I, I just don't see how they would, even if it's like AHL-only deals, you don't want 16 forwards no. when you got a lot of young guys, right? You don't. You don't need it. Like That's no. 16, never mind 14. So right. I think it's, you know, Sutter, Gagne, and Ern, I think are competing for one spot, and if I rank them, I'd have Sutter first, Gagne second, and Ern kind of a distant third. Ernie, or, or, is it Ernie or Ern? I don't know. I say Ernie because okay. it's... I usually, I whatever I say is usually wrong, sure. so keep that in mind. So, is there? You mentioned it last week, and we got a lot of uh, immediate feedback uh, on the listener line in regard to to if let's say Lavoie and Sutter both are good enough to make the team, and they really feel strongly about it, that maybe Derek Ryan could get sent down for a time until or Yanmark injury, or Yanmark or. Dylan Holloway because right. it doesn't require waivers. Right. And so, and I think we've been arguing all summer as, as we do in Edmonton about, oh, there's only one opening. But your, your premise a week ago kind of opened up the idea that maybe there would be for if Sutter makes it because of the, the value of his position. He's exactly what they need, Jason. Yeah. Maybe that does make it possible. Oh, Sutter on paper is exactly what the team needs. Yeah. He's a six foot three, 210 right shot center iceman who can kill penalties, win faceoffs, smart player who can score 10 goals. Yeah. That's what he is on paper. Now, where's his cardio at? I need to see it, right? He hasn't played in the NHL in, in two years. That's a long time, right? Right. But we all know why he didn't play. It was due to long COVID. So yeah. hopefully he's healthy and, you know, he could be a real fine for them at a bargain. And so if he fills a spot, then Raphael Lavoie is going to have to play his, his, uh, you know, his skates off, shall we say. And because I firmly believe if he has a solid preseason, not spectacular, but solid, Al, right? at his age, at his size, a right-hand shot, you put him on waivers. I think there's a team that would say, and I say Montreal, it's a French-Canadian, they also got a team full of Smurfs in Montreal, that they would look and say, hey, you know what? We, and that's why I think he made the contract sign and he did. He goes, he believes, and my understanding of the conversation, how it went with the orders was because obviously you, you put forth a qualifying offer and then you can negotiate. Hey, you know what? We'll give you more on a two way deal, but less closer to the 775 right. because that makes our cap a little bit better. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to bet on myself. I think I'm going to make the team. So I want to get as much money as I can. This year in the NHL, yeah. it, it, it doesn't. They can't get a twenty-second guy on, no matter if they send no, him. No, exactly. No, so even no. if he was making seven seventy-five, no, they still wouldn't have twenty-two guys, right? So no. I, I'm sure him and his agent crunched the numbers then and be like, "Well, wh- what's the harm here? I guess maybe you can make a little bit more in the minors, but is that the mindset you want? That's kind of like, well, I'm not confident I can make it because I think he's confident. If I can't make Edmonton, who's a top team in the league. There's a lot of bottom teams. Like, it's different now in Edmonton. The guys they put on waivers, not all, but you're a good team, and you're not making one of the top five or six teams in the league. It's different than not making one of the bottom five, six teams in the league, right? Right. 
So uh, I know you would have been watching all of the young stars every minute of it, including the anthem. Jason. Well, Al, you were uh, you, you kept sending me uh, texts <laughs> with the short videos of all the players. Um, you know, like I, I'll be honest, like I watched a bit of it, but no. I, as I've said before, there w- there wasn't anybody in the, in that tournament that I felt was going to compete this year. Yep. My job is to cover the team here. Uh, you know, Bo Aiky obviously stood out in his first one. He did. Petrov's a player that intrigues me for a variety of different reasons, and so I'll I'll be following. I think Bakersfield. And uh, the AHL deal, you know, I'll be paying for it again. Me too. Because it's it. good value. Yeah. But also, there's going to be Borgo. There's going to be Tulio. There's going to be lots of young forwards down there. Savoy, that you want to see. How are they projecting? And it might not be for this year. But if one of them's playing really well, Al, and he's a young player, that becomes trade bait. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. you know, you look at all the different pieces that you might consider moving. So I that's where it's more interesting to me than necessarily the young guy, the young stars tournament. The the men got a hundred and seventeen year head start. I'm very happy with the amount of publicity and attention the PAWHL draft is getting today. Uh I know that you've had people on talking about it, uh, and there's an excitement level which is really encouraging. How do you expect this league to go in year one? Well, I think people have to have realistic expectations. Right. Uh, and Al, I thought what you said was right. So when you look, yes, it's 2023 and they have the advantage of more people being able to talk about their league, social media, yeah. you know, texting, all those different things. If you look at it, even when the NHL expanded to a 12 team league in 1968, right, there was there was no sports talk radio. No. Right. There was no there was nothing to really like you have a few articles around. And that was it. So, you know, like, look at, you know, the National Lacrosse League. So I think that the Professional Women's Hockey League is, you know what, the fact that they can get some games on television, that's a big win. It is. Right? The yeah. NLL was around for years. Okay? They weren't on TV. Now they are now. Yeah. And lacrosse fans love it. It takes time. There's, there's not just – TV's expensive. So you have to have the sponsors and you have to have all that stuff to make it worthwhile. It's not a charity where you can just say, hey, you know what? Let's put your games on. There's a reason why lots of Junior A and CIS and everybody else, like, they stream now. So I would assume they're smart enough there that they're going to stream their games because that is more cost effective. Mm -hmm. And if you can have people, if you give people the option to at least stream it anywhere, because their challenge is going to be, and I think if they're smart, maybe not the first year, but next season, Al, I would have a tour of games in Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Winnipeg, and some uh, Western or some uh, Western states in the United States. Because obviously, you know, I, I asked uh, uh, Haley Salvi, and she said she believes there's at least enough depth for an eight-team league. Okay. Right. So they could expand to eight teams as early as next season because they feel they have enough good players for that. Sure. And then maybe, you know what, there's a few more leagues coming in the future. Yeah. Right. And then eventually for them to grow, they'll need to be represented a little bit more in the West. Right. I understand why they're doing it now. Sure, they, just like the NHL yeah, did originally. That's what the NHL yeah. did. Yes. Yeah. It's like it's common sense why you would do that. Less travel, all those sorts of things. It mm-hmm. makes sense. So yeah. I think they're I, I just think people have to be realistic about it. Like, look at the WNBA. And look at the initial few years of the WNBA, and now look at the WNBA. This is not, don't expect it to be this skyrocketing arch where you just, you start here and we're going straight up. And oh my goodness, we're going from a million viewers and now we've got 20 million in the first year. Like, it's not realistic. Okay. Excellent car sound by Jason Greger Mm -hmm. on uh, Sports 1440. yeah, I, I, I'm excited about it because I think that there's an opportunity there, but I agree with the build. And I also remember when the NBA was on tape, they would tape delay the broadcast. <laughs> yes. And that was the 80s. Yeah, like there's, I, I, 
too often than not, people want to to jump on these hot takes that, oh, everything's gender. No, sports is a business. Because if you look, NLL players get paid less than CFL players who get paid less than NHL players who get paid less than MLB players who get less than NBA players who get less, or sorry, NFL is below as far as the average player, right? They're all the same gender. It comes down to how much revenue do you bring in, right? I believe there's going to be good support in those six markets to start. And and then it builds from there, and, and that's fantastic. I think, like the the good advantage the women's league has, Al, is they've had ten years of seeing two leagues kind of eat themselves. Right. So now you can combine it to one, which we've said for years was the only way it was ever going to work. Have one league, and now that there's one, I think they have a much better chance of success. And, I, and to me, I would put it realistic success. Like, like I don't know what their numbers are, but they're going to have to say, okay, what is our revenue? Like, we know they have $55,000 as the average salary per player. The high end is 85000 and the low end, I think, is 35000 mm-hmm. I think maybe it's forty. But so they have that in place. Right. But now they have to look at, okay, like, how, where are we generating our money, right? They got Canadian Tire on as a sponsor. Great. How many more are they going to get? Product. And, we yeah. need some hoodies. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That that yeah. stuff too. Yeah. Right. And then um, accessibility. Right. Like they're don't come in and act like you're the NHL or the NBA or the NFL because you're not. You're probably going to have to be even more open to doing different things because you need to get the attention of people. People only have. Well, let's be honest. We all have a short attention span. Right. Well, I somebody know just, I do. Al, somebody just walked by the window and you and I weren't even looking at each other anymore. No, right. No. Like we have a short attention span. Well, he was a good looking guy. So no. sports people, there's only so many hours they have in their life where they can commit to sports. Right. Like it's my job, Al. I can't watch every sport. Right. No. So on the week, like there was a lot going on this weekend. I loved it. There was CFL. There was the Jays. There was NFL. The, there was actually an F1 race that was worth watching. It was an yeah, exciting finish. It was very exciting. Yeah. So, you know, but you only have so many hours to crunch it all in. You got wife and kids, you got a husband or, you know, whatever you have. And so I, I think they just, I'd like to see what their internal, and I, it's none of my business as a private, but I'd be curious what their internal goal is. And is it a realistic number to hit from ticket sales, revenue, all those sorts of things? Yeah, agreed. Final one. Um, how much did Marty Walsh and the NHLPA have to do, in your opinion, with the Babcock turnaround so quickly, uh, having him resign? Well, I think it was significant. Give Ron Hainsey a lot of credit, right? My understanding is, is Ron Hainsey was the one who really uh, you know, led the investigation. And by the way, I give a lot of credit to the young players that were involved in this. And, and, you know, it's, I see a lot of people saying, well, if the coach would have asked me for my phone, I just would have told him to shove it. Of course, the person who says that is some anonymous person that can't <laughs> even share their real name on Twitter, but they're so tough that they're going to tell the head coach. Cause people don't understand. You come in, you're 18, you're 19, 20, you're 21, whatever the age you are, 22. And you're like, man, I'm, this guy has a big say in my career. It's just a fact, mm-hmm. right? That's why people in position of power sometimes abuse their power. And that's what this was. This was a blatant abuse of power. And in 2023, one of the more ridiculous invasions of privacy is to say, give me your phone and then just let me look at it. Like, I, to even think, like, and what, first of all, so let's say, Al, he opens up a young 20-year-old's phone and he sees pictures of him boating and he sees pictures of him at the lake and he's got a shirt off and he's got some, you know, girls in bikini. What does that mean? Like, what are you trying to say, Mike? Like, what are you trying to decipher from getting this information, right? Like, it's it's ridiculous. So I do, I, I give them a lot of credit. I give the players themselves who who spoke up because you know what they could have done? 
is not say a word. They could have said, because let's be honest, the Players Association in the past hasn't necessarily always gone to bat for their guys. Well, Alan Eagleson worked actively for the, for the teams, for yes, the owners. 100%. Like, so. you know, Frank Sarali uh, on our pod today was, you know, he's discussing how, you know what, there's a little, like they had to, the NHLPA had to push. This was not just a, oh, everybody's singing kumbaya and we're getting together. They said, no, 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 this is unacceptable. No. And so I think Marty Walsh and his team, they probably earned a lot of respect from their union to say, okay, this is good. And, and at least he had a comment of truth. No. Our players, need to be treated with respect, and they weren't in this case. Uh, does does Kekalina survive this? Because, I mean, they don't, they're no good, and he still survives that. Does yeah. he survive this, too? Well, I, I think this is, like, this is his last coach. How can it not be? Right. Right? Yeah. Um, you, you know, him and John Davidson, both like Davidson today. Yeah, you know what uh, we made there? Because here's the thing. Mike Commodore, Johan Franson, <laughs> Mitch Marner. Like, let's go down the list of people. And I know some people, it's funny. So Mike Commodore is very outspoken about Mike Babcock, right? Yeah, it's been it, for a long time. It has been for a yeah. long time. Now people, yeah, but he, he calls him a POS. Well, in his his personal interaction, that's how it was. Now that doesn't mean that Mike Babcock treats everybody that way. Right. And I think it's pretty clear from this. He went to the captain and was all nice. And, and the interactions he had with the captain for Boone Jenner to be like, well, yeah. You know what? We sat here. We had a conversation. Now you show me a picture of your dog. Oh yeah, here's a picture of my dog. You, you go away thinking, oh that's nice. Yeah. You don't think anything of it. But why did Babcock do this away from the facility? Where you know no one's around other than the players. Hmm. Now I don't know if Boone Jenner knew about that. I have no idea. Might but, not have. You know, yeah. so he might not have. And or Johnny Gaudreau, right? Like they might not. Gaudreau was out in Vegas when they asked him. No. So he probably he's not even in town. So I, I look at the whole situation, and to me, it's a guy with a history of being a bully and a history of using his, of his position of power to intimidate. And guess what? He got outed again, because yeah. this is not the first time. Oh, no. He got outed again, and it's kind of like, finally. So yeah, Kekalainen, why didn't you listen? You had all, you had all these other guys you could have hired. Right, Peter Laviolette, Al, yeah. all the guy does is get his team to the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> it's true. Why didn't you hire him? Like, has he, have you ever heard anything bad about Peter? Like, not every player likes a coach. No. But have you ever heard anything about Peter Laviolette grossly disrespecting his players? No. He won in 06. That was his big crime. <laughs> yeah. If for Toyota fans, you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, I get Marty Walsh and the PA and, and a lot of people involved. But guess what? Um, the, the NHL, if how Mike Babcock f- wants to communicate, you don't need it in hockey and you don't need it inside. And there is one thing, Al, I know we got to go. Yep. There's something I'm going to open my show with because to me, this is even bigger than hockey, and I'll discuss that at 2 o'clock. Look forward to it. Thank you, Jason. Thanks, This Al. is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown. Final segment. This is our cool down period. Did you ever do those 20 minute workouts? No, not really. I just, I, I was too elitist about them. They didn't seem useful to me. So 20 minutes wasn't, that's just your warm up, then you kind of go. Yeah, like 20 minutes, it feels like you almost cheat yourself. Like, I don't know if you can really get that good of a workout on in 20 minutes. I'm sure you can, but it just, to me, in it just felt. The early 80s, there were so many aerobic shows where they do the step up, step down, and, um, Cynthia Carolek? I can't, I, I might be wrong. Didn't Olivia Newton John like invest oh, yeah. in one of those and yeah. oh, something was, like that? Yeah. She had the bandana and the, yeah. I think a pink track suit. <laughs> well, because and, Let's uh, Get Physical, I think was based around the entire. Let's Get Animal. Animal. Yeah. 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 Yes, yes. Uh, the Oilers rookies are playing today at the, 
I want to get the name right here, the South Okanagan Event Center in Penticton at 2.30. And I, I, for, I, for no reason at all, go ahead. No, I just quickly, I want to jump in. I believe it's 2.30 Pacific time. It'll be 3.30 Mountain time. Oh, is when we can check well out the done, game. young yes, man. Well yes. done. Again, don't want to step on any toes. Just there was I quickly. Tr- trying to misinform people, and you jumped right in there like a, like a, like a mongoose. I do what I can. I Dave do what Jameson I can. would say, yeah. All right. Uh, Carl Berglund will center Carter Savoy and Xavier Borgo. Jaden Grub will play between Tyler Tulio and Matvey Petrov. Those are the two main lines. Turi Linden between Ethan DeJong and Brady Stonehouse, who's looked good. Uh, Antonin Varro between Jake Chason and Cameron Wright. And if I'm right, that means that who's missing out of this lineup? Who is not playing? Hmm, Jake Sloan. Dun, 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 dun. I wonder why. Xavier Bernard with Max Wanner. Jake Johnson with Boa Aki. Uh, Noah Gansky, the gigantic man, with Nate Miskey. And Nathan Day playing in his second game in three days. So there you go. That's the uh, rookie lineup. And then very quickly after, it might even happen this afternoon, they're going to announce that uh, the... the, the uh, Main training camp roster. There's no reason to wait now. Biz Nasty took some heat, but he should be given a great deal of credit for exposing this. Well, I just think this is a... I said sea change early because I want to be hip with the young people. But but this is a, a bit of a paradigm shift for the National Hockey League, if it's true, that Marty Walsh and the NHLPA. And Marty Walsh is a pretty substantial individual in American politics and in American society. So getting him meant there was a little more oomph, a little more torque. And it appears as though that's exactly what happened. The PA won here. Take the bag off? Nah. It's still a CFL game I, I'm, I'm attending. I don't know why people are down on the CFL. I love the league. It's the league that made me fall in love with sports. It's Honestly, it really is. such an awesome league. I was watching Reggie Hunt play play that Mac linebacker spot, getting yeah. tackles, interceptions, fell in love with sports. It, I'll always love the CFL. That's the great thing about the Canadian football. And, the you know, it, 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 I think the American the American uh, 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 ratings are very good. And it's because you could, there can be a minute and a half left and you're down by 12 and you can win it by two. And on top of that, it's the second best football league in the world by a country mile. Yeah. Like it's good football. You want to say the product doesn't compare to the NFL in terms of talent? Sure, but it's still great football. Is it too late to invite any Euro free agents to training camp? Do we have to take a break or we already do that? We are good. We are clear until the update in about 10 minutes. Then we're home free. Okay. I'm going to look this up. So I'm going to ramble. This is me rambling. Well, I talk and I know that some people ramble. Well, I don't ramble. I could sing you a song. I'm terrible at it, but I'm looking up a name right now who attended the 2019-20 Oilers preseason. And I, I don't remember what country he was from, but I believe it was Russia. And he was like a last, last, last minute guy like he, he took the last train to london then he flew over and then he took the last train to clarksville and he barely barely made it and his name was anton Burdisov, and he arrived in edmonton to play two games and in the preseason and then they had to make a decision to sign him and ken holland said oh it's too late we didn't have enough time blah blah yada yada but he did play he got an assist had five shots on goal and it was a, you know, 
it was a story. It was it was it was kind of interesting. Uh, I I thought it was fun. I I mean I'm no scout, so but I always like extra players because that's an extra story. And he did pick up an assist. I'm looking at the line he played on in the game where he got an assist. Natural Statric is like your friend. Natural Statric is is absolutely golden. Um, he played with Leon and another Hall of Famer, Joachim Nygaard. I shouldn't say Hall of Famer. They're all great players. But take that back. That was not kind. I'm better than that. I'll save my insults for Declan. But he played He played well uh, that I remember. And he played 14-10 in total and picked up an assist with a couple of shots, a couple of rebound attempts, and one high-danger scoring chance. Now, now you know everything you ever wanted to know about Anton Bertasov. He's a player. I watch a ton of KHL games. There you go. By the way, the KHL is underway, and the Oilers have a bunch of guys who will never come over here. Yevsiev, Bereskin, Deneshkin, Konovalov no longer property of the team, but you got four Russian guys playing in the KHL. They're all good. They're never coming here. With the XFL, USFL, National Arena League, NCAA, AFL coming back, but I hear you. I, I I think that we we generally agree that the the college game is a different level, but in terms of pro, I would say that CFL is far more. In fact, CFL is far more entertaining than the NFL, but you can't tell people that. It's two thirty Mountain Time for the Young Stars Classic. Oh dear! Did you make another mistake? I well, I, I'll have to I'll have to look into it, but it looks like I've been I've been foiled and corrected yet again. Wow! It, it's I really, like I thought I was delight. In in finding fault with you. Oh, I'm sure they do. I, I thought I was really finally doing some good for the show. First no. time in three weeks I would have done something actually you, beneficial, you, and you, it looks like it's fallen by the wayside. All you do is help this show, believe me. More you, less me, all good. Good morning, LT, and your Padawan. <laughs> Hemi Dog here. Dis- glad you survived your coffee maker this morning. Your thoughts on the NFL this weekend? Will you get to talk to Woody before the season starts? I would like to. I'll be down there as I can. Um, NFL this weekend. It was weird the Eagles not playing. They'd won on Thursday. And then you so I'm interested, not interested. And it seemed like there was one game on every channel, Jets-Cowboys. And the Jets were the Jets. So I I, I went for a long walk. I, I walked for like an hour and a bit. I just was in a zone where I just wanted to walk. And it, the weather is cooling now. I love walking in the cool weather. I'd rather walk in winter than summer. So I went for a really nice walk, and I didn't watch the NFL because I've been sitting on my ass enough in my life. As I would rather walk in the summer than the winter, but I would walk in fall any day of the week over Fall's summer. Beautiful. Yeah, it's the best sure. time to go for a walk. And as far as my coffee maker is concerned, this was the weirdest thing. I go down on I think it was Saturday morning, and I make coffee, and the coffee maker makes... Did you ever see the Christmas story? With uh, Ralphie and right. maybe you'll the shoot furnace, your own. the, the now you go down there and he'd hit it with that wooden leg um, lamp or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, and classic. It, it, it just like it made so much noise. That's my coffee maker. And then it, when it stops making noise, it's done. Well, I put the co- the water in and I put everything upright and it's going. And 
It doesn't make any noise at all. First time in years. I've had it for five years. This is the first time since year one that it's not made any noise. It almost doesn't feel right. Right. Exactly. And then I poured the coffee, and the coffee was the best coffee I've had in five years. So then I started thinking, am I being poisoned by coffee maker? And so far I'm okay, but I'm not absolutely certain. It just seems weird that all of a sudden it would start pulling its weight after letting me down all this time. I'm high on the winning. The Elks have brought back the Commonwealth and the way they're stringing so many positives in the last six games. Bring on the Lions, yeah? Who are you afraid of? I don't think so. Not anybody. Low down with low tide on the air. All is right with the world again. Roger in Calgary. Well, that's very kind. Calgary's a beautiful city. Calgary is so beautiful that I like to go there. I love to go to see the zoo, which is very oh. cool. You know, my, my, my grandpa, my mom's dad was an architect. He used to design exhibits. He used to design exhibits for the animals at the Calgary really? Zoo. Really? He did, yes. Oh, wow. Yes. That's really impressive. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of oh. cool. We always used to go all the time. We, we, we went so much, I got bored by it. But just hearing you talk about how you like the Calgary Zoo, that makes me happy to hear because my can, grandpa did something right, I guess. Can I tell you a story? Yes. This is... I'm going to say my son is three and my daughter is one. She was in the stroller. And we did the dinosaur part first, the dinosaur part of it. And that was pretty cool. But Michael was really bored. My son was really bored. So we get to the the part where you can look at animals. And he was really looking forward to that. But and my daughter was sleeping most of the time. So where there's a, there's some food, we thought we better get some energy in the young man. So we stopped for the little kiosk there. And right by it was the, I, I don't know how to describe it, but it was like a giant play plan where you oh. could crawl in and go for miles. I used to, I used to spend hours in that okay. thing. So Michael doesn't, he doesn't wait for his food. He just goes right in there. And Joanne and I go, how bad can it be? So we, we, we feel, we buy his food and we, well, he can eat when he's done and we ate our food. And now we've been there for like 45 minutes and he hasn't come out. And we're like, okay, well, he's got to eat his food, and then we got to get going because it's 3 o'clock and whatever, and we've got plans for what we're going to do in the nighttime. And so then we walk over to this cage thingy that he's in, and we go, Michael, it's time to come out. Well, guess what? The boy's not coming out. And so I I stayed with the baby. I was My daughter was, or my, my wife was smaller than me, so she climbed she climbed, but my wife has a really bad temper. So, <laughs> in the middle of the zoo, where, this, where kids are playing and laughing, and you've got one woman screaming at a child, get back here! <laughs> <laughs> this is just a tale all too familiar. There were, I, ca- oh, I couldn't man. even count the number of times on two hands. That my mom had to drag me out of that play place as oh. well when I like arm in hand yelling at me in front of everyone. Oh. I'm probably starting to cry and everything because I just wanted to stay there. Play like I said, tale all too familiar. It, I love that thing. It just was the the perfect coming together of all of the elements of our family, and um, <laughs> and he would like he just didn't want to go. He was in heaven. He was having fun. He was the right size that he could almost stand up completely and walk all through. So he was unique among the children in there. And, and, and but moms, man, that just, it's like she got it done. She returns with the, the day's catch. Moms always get it done. Oh, especially doctor. when it's time to leave the zoo. That's when they really kick it into high gear. True, true. And, uh, I, I, my job was to, to look after the child. 
and make sure that not too many people saw what my wife was doing. <laughs> Draw attention away. Hey, everybody. Okay. Enough of that. Um, you almost got to like let a snake out of the exhibit or something so just to exactly. cause a distraction. You know, start, yeah. start running around yeah. like a, you know. Oh, there's a tiger over there. Go buy a Davenport. We did do that last week. We talked about Chesterfields, I believe. The old bunny hug sweater. Yeah. Would have been great if you'd mentioned Last Train to Trans Central. I don't know that song. Last Train to London is ELO. Last Train to Clarksville is Monkeys. Can I tell you a story about Last Train to Clarksville? We're running, but a quick one. <laughs> oh, sure. Okay, really quickly. Really quickly. The guy who wrote the song heard the Beatles uh, paperback writer, but it was on a bad radio AM in California when it first came out, and he thought they were singing Last Train to Clarksville. When he found out what it was and the name of it, he thought, well, it's a good song, and he wrote it. So... That's the end of that. Jason Greger is next. It's time for a sports update.